Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on BlogTalkRadio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. If you just clicked the link on my webpage or you're listening on BlogTalkRadio.com or even the BlogTalkRadio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Oh, need a minute to get something to write with? But don't worry, I'll give the number again right after the commentary. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. Frequent USA Today columnist and author Dr. James Key has long been inspired by biblical stories and the way God has touched his life, as well as being empowered by the lives of others. Not just famous people, but ordinary folks whose names and faces are unknown. Some of their stories were of terrible tragedies, while others have been wonderful examples of human triumph and victory. These people and their remarkable experiences left an indelible mark on Key's soul and have compelled him to review and reheat the stories of his life in touch and go. From his days of growing up in South Central Los Angeles to serving in the battlefield as a United States Army chaplain in war-torn Iraq, Keyes brings to life how God continued to move with him even in his darkest hours. Touch and Go encompasses the best qualities of a biography and a religious inspirational book. It captures the essence and dynamic involvement of God in everyday life. From the good to the bad to the downright low, readers are reminded that God is always there to bring comfort and direction. A beautifully well-told story of life's lessons, challenges, and the grace of God that will no doubt take you home. Dr. Key, welcome to A Measure of Truth. Dr. Key. Okay. Thank you, Michael. Good to be here. Oh, we're we're really happy to have you. And um, 
you know, we only met just a few weeks ago, and uh, it, I was just so excited to be able to have you on the show so quickly. When the producer told me that we had you on for this month, I was shocked. I was like, wow, uh, this is meant to be. And uh, well, tell, tell everyone a little bit about we first um, met at Mount Zion Baptist Church, where you were the invited guest speaker of my pastor, Dr. Leonard N. Smith. And, and just tell us how that came about. Well, it was really fun at, at Mount Zion Baptist Church in Arlington, Virginia, and uh, had an opportunity to um, uh, speak and share the, God's word with uh, the members of, of your church, your congregation. And really, uh, Michael, we have been busy uh, promoting the book, working hard, and just trying to share touch and go with uh, as many people as possible. And, and I spoke at, a, at an event um not long ago, and someone there happened to be a member of, of your church. And uh, basically from that point, uh, talked to your pastor and said uh, some great things about me and said we should uh, get him over here to, to share uh, his word uh, with our congregation and share the book. And one thing led to another, and, and that's really what happened. Um, God just continues to open doors and opportunity, and uh, we, we walk in and really put our best foot forward. And so we've had a had a blast, just really moving forward and and uh, and sharing uh, the word of God and and touch and go. Yeah, and, and tell us a little bit too uh, about the title of the book. You, you give us a great story about um, why the book is called Touch and Go. Yes, you know, Touch and Go really goes back to when I was born. That uh, I was born uh, as a premature baby, and, uh, and the doctors gave me 48 hours to live and told my family uh, that it would be touch and go for the next 48 hours. And uh, my grandmother, uh, Sweetie Pie, who's still living, 90, it'll be 97 this year, and my uh, deceased grandmother, who uh, we affectionately call Grandma, went into uh, the proverbial uh, prayer closet. And the family went into the prayer closet and just kind of prayed me through. I stayed in the hospital for 30 days, and um, and really the Lord kind of pulled me through. And the praying grandmothers, praying family and friends, uh, really helped me get through that 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 time period. And of course, to this day, uh, my grandmother, Sweetie Pie, still calls me uh, Touch and Go. And so mm. that nickname kind of stayed with me. And and as I you know, I've continued my journey. Certainly realized that in life we all have a lot of touch and go moments, and so this book really challenged me to dig deep and 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 reheat some of the stories from my past and mm-hmm. the highs and the lows, and and really put together a a book that um, highlighted various stories of um, of my life that were what I would consider touch and go, and mm-hmm. and. The thought process is that I think a lot of people, you know, have touch and go stories. We all go through uh, difficult times. We sp- we all spend our time or some time in the valley, and uh, the challenge is how do you get out of the valley? What do you do in the meantime between now and your next breakthrough? Between now and your next blessing? Mm-hmm. And for me, it was you know certainly praying grandmothers, the, the mighty power of God, and. Uh, friends, neighbors, community people who kept their eye on me and, and helped me kind of make it and, and get through those those difficult days. So that's where really the title comes from. Right, right. And, and while we're on that subject, too, um, I read your reviews, which people seem to really love your book, and, and I'm really enjoying it myself. I'm only in the third week as you um, structured it in weeks. But, right. you know, some might say that this is a self help book of sorts, but it's really something far more than that, isn't it? It's really a book of healing through the power of your own life experiences and others. That's right. That's right. And it, I, it, it, the book really forced me to be probably more transparent than I, than I normally would want to be. But I think life, as you grow older, life pushes you to that point. Uh probably wouldn't have written this book maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um but having uh, certainly gone through, you know, uh, some my own personal challenges, whether it was a, a failed marriage, um, a uh, being deployed to Iraq uh, for a year, at some point we are challenged to kind of dig deep in our own soul and and reheat stories of yesterday because maybe 
somebody may be inspired to hold on. Somebody may read your story and be inspired by it, uh, read your story and decide, you know what, if he can make it, so so can I. And that's really, I think, the challenge, I think, that all of us all of us have. Essentially, the Bible is a book of stories, and we're inspired mm-hmm. by the stories found in the Bible. Here we are uh, 2,000, 3,000 plus years later, and we're still inspired by uh, biblical stories. And the revelation of God, in my opinion, continues. It continues uh, to to reveal itself through me and through you and through others. And to the extent that we can share uh, our stories and the highs and lows and be transparent in the process, maybe somebody will be will be blessed, and some maybe somebody will be able to make it over and beyond some of the troubled waters of life. Hmm. And before we get into the uh, the structure of the book and how it's formatted, let's talk a little bit about the preface. When you talk about um, and give homage and praise to our um, men and women of the armed services for the work that they do and the commitment that they have to country. That's right. That's right. I think. Uh, Going to you know when I initially I've been in the military now for almost nine years and I thought I would, would come in and, and stay for about three years and then move on, but really uh, meeting the, the the young men and women in the in the military uh, has been truly a blessing. What you see basically is the twenty something crowd uh, on the battlefield in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, it's the twenty something crowd, the BET generation, the MTV generation. Uh, the VH1, CMT generation, the Xbox generation, and and their stories, their commitment, uh, and their desire to serve must not you know go unnoticed. And mm-hmm. I'm inspired by by what they do on the battlefield and what they do here in the United States. And certainly, less than one percent of uh, Americans serve in the military. So to see these young people who perhaps many you know didn't graduate from private high schools um many come from the inner city the country and and humble sub suburban communities and yet uh, they are serving they're putting they put the uniform on and they serve and they do it well and they find a way to work together in the foxhole they find a way to to work together despite their differences be it race mm-hmm. or religion and they get it done, and that in and of itself is uh, inspiring. And we don't perhaps hear uh, uh, enough of uh, their stories. Uh, and uh, so, this book, Touch and Go, gave me an opportunity to share some of their stories as well, and how they have moved me to be really a better, a better, uh, a preacher, a better chaplain. Uh, a better officer in the in the army, a better soldier, and so my interaction certainly with them uh, in Iraq and also uh, at various installations across the United States um, certainly has been uh, motivational and has been part of the reason why I too have been able to um, to keep moving and get through some very difficult touch and go moments in, in my life. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about that. Um, how does one go from South Central to becoming a chaplain in the Army? I mean, that's a long road right there, just saying that, small piece. Yeah, it is a, it's a long road, and I think you're right. And to really, to be honest with you, you know, you, you never know where you're going to end up. Uh, certainly, if you'd asked me upon graduating from, from Dorsey High School in Los Angeles, upon graduation, if someone said, you know, hey, one day you're going to be a chaplain in the United States Army, I probably would have said, you know, what what kind of fool do you take me for? Certainly, the, being a minister, becoming a minister, certainly wasn't on my radar. Um, mm. So I don't know. I do know that um, along the way, uh, you know, as I have journeyed, uh, I, certain things have happened that have uh, drawn me closer uh, to to God. I always I grew up in the church, and you had one foot in the church sometimes, and another foot outside the church. And my mm-hmm. you know, brother was running around with the the boys in the hood and doing what a lot of young people do in in the hood, uh, just. Um, trying to survive, um, peer pressure, uh, make bad decisions sometimes 
that I that I made uh, you know put me in a very diff- put me in some difficult situations. But I think uh, someone once said, you know, God takes care of babies and fools. I'm certainly not a baby, <laughs> so. Uh, and uh, but at some point after um, graduating from from Cal State Northridge undergraduate school and working in sales for Johnson Johnson Baby Company for about a year, year and a half, I kind of received this call into the ministry, and um, and still that was difficult sharing. You know, hey, telling people, family, and friends that hey, I'm going to go to Howard University and and study religion. And people who 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 knew me well uh, had to um, weren't sure that I was moving in the right direction. Are you sure mm. that's for you? Is that mm. are you sure you're called? You're not calling yourself. Um, but uh, that's what happened, basically. Uh, you know, received a call into the ministry and then moved forward and left a good Fortune 500 job and uh, caught the first thing smoking to uh, Washington, D.C. to study religion. And wow. uh, then after, uh, you know, several years in the, in the ministry, I, I, I would um, uh, enter the uh, United States Army as a chaplain in, in 2003. Hmm. That's interesting. So, so how did you make that decision to, to go in that direction? Yeah, the, the Army uh, was a decision that, that, as I, you know, write about it in the book, um, at that at that particular time, you're talking about touch and go. I went through you know a very difficult divorce in 2002, mm. and uh, wasn't sure. I really felt like a like a failure, you know, not being able to um, um, remain married and a failed marriage and uh, mm. pastoring a church at the same time. It was a very low moment in my life, and mm. really wanted to run away. I was a wounded preacher uh, looking for a hiding place mm. and thought about running away from the ministry altogether and going back, maybe going back to Capitol Hill. I worked on Capitol Hill for six years and thought maybe I'd go back there or even go back to a Fortune 500 company. And a good friend of mine who I uh, was in divinity school with at Howard uh, was serving as a chaplain, is still serving as a chaplain, said I should consider the U.S. Uh, uh, chaplain corps, Army chaplain corps. And I, I considered it. And um, and decided to, I kind of really stumbled into the chaplain corps, uh, and and uh, it's been a blessing. Uh, the whole journey has been a blessing since the day I walked in. And so, yeah, one morning I woke up. It was about 5:30, and I'm and I'm doing push-ups, asking myself, what in the world am I doing in the USR? <laughs> so much brighter than this. <laughs> uh... And uh, but I can tell you, uh, Michael, where God leads, God provides. Right. And uh, when you're down to nothing, God's up to something, and mm. working things out. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, and so, so, so that was um, uh, a decision that uh, I prayed about and ultimately made. And um, you know, then after to a couple of years later, I'm I'm in Iraq serving. And so, you really, you know, I thought I knew Jesus very well before I. Uh, got deployed to Iraq, but it wasn't until I got deployed to Iraq that I really began to uh, develop a profound relationship with Jesus, that's for sure. Mm. Now tell us, why do you term some of these stories and lessons from your life as leftovers? Explain that to our listeners. Yeah, I I think that um, when I was a kid growing up, my mother uh, was was great, as probably a lot of mothers and, and fathers as well. <clears throat> she was really good at at stretching stretching food, um, reheating leftovers from whether it was Sunday dinner or a holiday dinner. Uh, we could um, eat uh, leftovers for several days, and for some reason, the leftovers seemed to get better each day. Uh, and whether she was she was cooking a pot of beans, somehow. The second day, the third day, uh, the beans just had a better taste. The seasoning had a chance to meet and greet and get to know each other. And, and mm-hmm. for some reason, the, the, the meal tastes much better. And I think the same can be said with our stories. As they mm. settle and, and marinate, um, the stories take on a new meaning. I think mainly because we're removed from the, from the uh, hurt and pain as we... As, as, as time continues to march forward, the pain isn't as great. And we can go back and look at the story 
and then find strength in the story and then recycle the story and then give it to someone someone else. I share the story with someone else. And I was also inspired by the Bible uh, in the book of John, around the sixth chapter. You know, we read about uh, Jesus feeding uh, the, the 5,000 and um, 5,000 hungry people, which we would call today two pieces of fish and and five loaves of bread. We would call it a two-piece fish dinner in, in today's uh, <laughs> time period. Mm-hmm. And so he takes his two-piece fish dinner and Biggie sizes the order and he feeds 5,000. And what we forget sometimes is at the end, after they have fed everyone, uh, there are 12 baskets uh, of, of food that that, are, that have been left over. And Jesus says in in, um, in in the Bible, he tells us at the end of this wonderful story you know, found in John, he says, let nothing uh, be wasted, is what he essentially says in, in John 6.12. And, and so that's basically what... Um, I do I, in the book. It, these are really warmed-over, leftover stories. Mm-hmm. Let nothing be wasted. Mm-hmm. Uh, recycle the story and share the story. And, I'm, and I hope that when, when readers read my story, and, and this has been happening, uh, that that they're inspired to tell their story. They're inspired to write right. uh, on uh, their own story and their own journey. And again, let nothing be wasted because. Again, you never know, you never know uh, the impact that uh, your journey might have on someone else's life. Now, this is interesting because, just as you said, there there are great stories in this book, I mean, that takes me home, that makes me remember um, the the first time my bike was stolen. And there's so (laughs) many different things in there that really uh, took me down memory lane. So the 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 book itself could have just been just the stories and would have been a great book in its own right, but you decided to format it and structure it in a way where it is a tool for healing. And um, tell us what made you first decide to format it this way, but let's also talk about the first thing. You kind of jar people at the very beginning, and you let them know just how serious um, this book is and just how effective it can be by the spiritual pledge. Yes, yes. I I do. I, I ask readers to make a, a spiritual pledge uh, at the beginning to basically just hold the, the reader accountable uh, mm-hmm. to themselves, uh, hold the reader accountable to to um, whether they're reading the book in, in a kind of a group setting or uh a book club or anything like that that I, I thought making a pledge, asking and some of the questions are, you know, one, I promise to put God first in my life, family second, work third. Uh two, I promise to seek spiritual growth through prayer, uh the study of God's word, the fellowship of other believers. So there are about five questions like that. And uh and ask the the reader to sign his or her name. Um, because I think that we, we all have to kind of hold ourselves accountable. Uh, I, I've often said that the problem with James Key is James Key, and that the problem uh, with with you is you, and the problem with me is me. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that we can take some ownership and hold ourselves accountable, um, then I think we're on the road to recovery. Um, if we're honest, I think all of us need to be recovered from something. And mm-hmm. so that's why I think you said this earlier, the book is more than a, a self-help, feel-good book. But it's really uh, a spiritual journey. After each chapter, uh, I have uh, reflection questions and then an action step. You know, the action mm-hmm. step is the verb. It really gives the reader or group something to do for that particular week. It's designed to be read a chapter a week for 12 weeks. Some people have read it like that, and others have, have just kind of read through it. Uh, mm-hmm. Teachers that I, uh, that I found out in Dallas, Texas, they, they read the book, I think, together. But I, I set it up so that uh, you read a chapter a week, you you deal with the reflection questions and then the action step. You do something and and the action step allows you to, to, to do something that particular week, whether it's reflecting on a biblical passage or or visiting, if I'm writing about homeless vets, the challenge might be to visit a homeless shelter that week. 
uh, and or talk to a homeless person someplace that week, share your leftover story, or just be there to listen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's that's you know I really really I really challenged myself to 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 put the book uh, to write the book in a way that that uh, would be more than just reading the book and putting it down, but then reading it, reflecting on some of the questions, and then doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that was my thought process, and some have done it that way, and others again have uh, just kind of read through it. Right, right. But um, it's interesting, though, because um, the book offers a lot more than stories and an education. It offers a transformation. You know, yeah. it, it helps people to understand what the real challenges are to healing, you know, and it gives them the opportunity to make those choices on their own. But it, it clearly outlines the steps. And, it uh, does. It does. And at this stage, you know, if I meet someone outside of my hometown, Los Angeles. And and sometimes people may be, you know, say, well, Dr. Key, you've accomplished uh, this and that. And, and what they miss is the is the journey. Mm. Uh, the lessons uh, and the battle scars are found in the journey, mm-hmm. not the destination. Like if I read the book of Michael, your book, uh, you wrote a book and I read your book, I, I don't necessarily want to read about your mountaintop moment. What I really want to know is, I want to read uh, about your your journey. I want to read mm-hmm. about the highs and lows when you were hurt and when you experienced a, a bad relationship or uh, economic hardship, the adversity. Because I want to know how Michael got through that situation. What did you do? Um, who helped you? Who were the, the people uh, who helped you? Was it your faith, uh, family members, friends, or a combination of all of the above? And in touch and go, it really is a combination of all of the above, mm-hmm. and um, and I've learned through um, you know touch and go that you, you you never know that God is all you need until until God is all you got. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, and um and there and there there's so many uh, unknown voices in the book, uh, people who uh, whether it was the gardener in the neighborhood. Uh, Mr. Smooth, who cut lawns in the neighborhood and worked as a janitor uh, during the day. And I remember Mr. Smooth um, uh, challenging, always whenever he saw my brother and I or any of us, uh, any of the guys in the neighborhood, he wanted to just to lecture, to talk to us, to preach to us. And we didn't think he had anything of substance to say. Uh, mm-hmm. We'd see him out cutting lawn and, and had a little bottle of feel good in his back pocket that he'd sip on, and what could this person actually uh, tell us? We were arrogant for reasons that I'm still not quite sure of. And, um, but one day he, he, he cornered us, and my brother and I, and he said, with tears in his eyes, he said, you know, look, when you graduate looking at me from high school, that's my diploma too. And he said to my brother, when mm. you graduate from college, my brother was a student at USC, at the University of Southern California, and you graduate from there. That's my degree, too, that my success is your success and, and my failure is your failure. And then he said that society may not get any better, but you've got to get better. Hmm. And those words challenged me, and those his words would haunt me, especially during times when I wanted to give up and let go, uh, when I was struggling in college and wanted to just um, forget school altogether. It would be his words. His words uh, challenged me and disturbed my soul because I realized that I was on this journey not for myself, not just for myself, but for all of the people in the community who couldn't go to school for whatever reason, who didn't have an opportunity to uh, graduate from high school, that um, this journey is certainly bigger bigger than me. And um, so I owe his generation... um, a lot, and, and 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 certainly we stand on, I stand on uh, the shoulders of his generation, no doubt mm. about it. Just like mm-hmm. our men and women in uniform, they stand on the shoulders of, of of giants who stood on the shoulders of giants. We stand uh, on the shoulders of those who served in in Vietnam, and our Vietnam vets stand on the shoulders who of those who served during the Korean War. Korean War vets stand on the shoulders of those who served during World War II, and it goes on and on. Uh, so um, 
that 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 uh, has been also a, a point that I I've tried to make in the book as well. Um, now, when you first started writing um, this book, did did you already have this structure in mind to set it up as a as a teaching tool? And, and what uh, gave you that inkling if you if you did not? I did. I did. I thought that I wanted to write a book that would um, do more than just just tell my stories, but mm-hmm. but also um, but also uh, be a vessel, be a, be a tool that could be used to to help others. Um, you know, I taught uh, uh, at a community college years ago in Virginia, and so taught religion and speech com and. Uh, so I've always kind of been in that mode. I ran a nonprofit organization in D.C. Um, that that really challenged uh, young people to be more than uh, they could ever imagine. So that that part of me, I think, has always has always been there. And I thought maybe uh, if I could write a book that uh, would allow me to to share some of the stories I've been telling, uh, either. Uh, through either you know whenever I spoke uh, speaking engagements or preaching or even writing columns for USA Today, I thought you know this would be a wonderful time to kind of pull all those stories together and uh, and use the book as a teaching tool. So I wanted uh, I, so the desire to, to 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 teach to share, I think has kind of always been a part of me, and I don't think I could have written the book any other way. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have fun and. Um, in terms of um, writing the book, but uh, I wanted, I really wanted the book to be, I wanted people to be able to, be able to read it and say, you know, um, I am, I've been, I, I, I've been inspired by this book. I mm-hmm. love reading autobiographies. I love reading biographies. Those are you know, my favorite type of books to read. So, and I've read many and been inspired by by many. So, um, that was part of the. Maybe that's part of the reason why the book is somewhat autobiographical uh, and yet spiritual uh, uh, as well. Um, you know, the book is littered with biblical stories mm-hmm. and, uh, and and stories too of just um, uh, men and women who, who who've uh, who've challenged me and have touched my life. You know, and we want to talk a little bit about that. You can either um, pull one of those stories. Um, out or either that you can um, talk a little bit about some of the uh, the poetry as well that's in um, included in the um, the back of this book and what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and um, talk about some of the nonprofits and the people out there doing great work and we'll be right back after this. Kainu, which means Our House in Haitian Creole, is an organization devoted to caring for abandoned and disenfranchised youth in Haiti. Kainu was started in 2009 by Executive Director E. Joanne Richard. Kainu aims to address the physical, emotional, and academic needs of Haitian youth. Their organizational model has adapted to the challenges unearthed by the devastating January 12th earthquake, which destroyed the majority of the government's buildings and the country's already weak infrastructure. This natural disaster created tremendous challenges which adversely impact the hopes of the Haitian population and the future of the country. In addition to the earthquake, recent hurricanes and other natural disasters rendered the community unable to meet the basic quality of life needs for the majority of its citizens, especially in the rural communities. Kainu seeks to rebuild hope through education and employment opportunities, as well as create relevant and duplicatable projects that the people of Haiti will be able to manage. In addition to the youth, Kainu seeks to help the adults of Haiti with the reconstruction of schools and housing. Sponsor a child and create real, lasting change, not only for them, but for their community. For just $15, a child can receive a full uniform for the school year. Kainu believes that the uniforms will build confidence for the students and also encourage families to enroll their kids in school, knowing that they will not have to choose between educating their children over feeding their families. Become a sponsor by promoting this event via email, on Facebook, Twitter, and with your community, networks, family, friends, and coworkers. For more information, check out kainu.org. That's K-A-Y-N-O-U-I-N-C dot org. 
Hi, I'm Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. I want to take a quick minute to talk to you about Young Lives DC 34. Young Lives is a unique, cutting-edge, nonprofit Christian organization designed to empower and equip pregnant and parenting teen moms to become productive citizens in the community. A program that partners teens and mature Christian women to provide teen girls in crisis with timely encouragement, guidance, and ongoing support. Through the power of presence, kids' and teens' lives are dramatically impacted when caring adults come alongside them, sharing God's love. Because someone believes in them, they begin to see that their lives have great worth, meaning, and purpose. This is just the first step in a lifelong journey. The choices they make today based on God's love for them will impact their future decisions, the careers they choose, the marriages they form, and the families they raise. And all of this can be traced back to the time when a young life leader reached out and entered their world. For more information or to get involved, check out their webpage at www.younglives.younglife.org. Or if you're in the D.C. metropolitan area, call 202-399-7017. Welcome back, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. Look, if you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. That's 347-326-9470. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. And also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Well, today we're talking with author Dr. James Key, and um, he's going to share a little bit of some of the, uh, the meat and potatoes of his book, Touch and Go. Yes. Thank you, Michael. And again, it's a pleasure to be uh, a guest on, on your show, Measure of Truth. Um, one of the chapters, uh, chapter four, is entitled, Come Get Him Before I Kill Him. And, mm. and I open up the, that, this particular chapter with a quote from, uh, from Tupac, uh, who says, I often buffed about my curfew and broke the rules, ran with the local crew and had a smoke or two. I realized Mama really paid the price. She nearly gave her life to raise me right. And I <clears throat> thought that, that that particular quote from, from Tupac not only summed up on some level my journey, but really um, so many boys and girls in, in the hood, uh, if you're raised in the inner city and the challenges and some of the things that we get into. I remember one incident, and uh, and this one still, still uh, you know, still... Uh, it's still a fond memory on some level. I guess I can laugh at it today. But I remember my mother telling me, parking the car in the driveway and saying to me very clearly, uh, "Don't, don't, don't move my car. Don't touch the car." And at 16, learning how to drive and just anxious to to go against her word. And I get in the car and the car begins to back down the driveway and uh, just rolls down the driveway and I hit a parked car and a gentleman's under the car that I hit. He's working. Uh, uh, on this particular car, he's under the hood, doing, hopefully doing great things. And then here I come, in all my splendor and glory, and and, and bang right into his <laughs> side door. And he's livid, of course, and wants to know if I'm high, if I'm on drugs. And oh, boy. Um, and so that's just kind of that's how this particular chapter opens up. Mm. And then you know there are more things being picked up by the by the LAPD. My friends and I, uh, we're not in school on this particular day in LA. PD at a program called Operations, I think Operations Stay in School or some program like that, and they picked us up and took us to the police station for not being in school. Um, and um, and certainly that wasn't a fun, fun, fun evening, uh, being picked up during the day and then having to uh, explain myself to <clears throat> my mother uh, later that day. Hmm. Uh, um, being being suspended from. From, from high school uh, uh, and, and middle school, 
And at some point, the frustration just continues to to build. And I remember uh, my mother at some point just picked up the phone and called my father and said, come get him before I kill him. And that's why Mm. I uh, uh, gave this particular chapter uh, that title. Um, And, um, you know, we we all um, have those moments. And, and, And if you live long enough and have children... Oh, you'll begin to see the movie that you uh, were busy making as a kid uh, right. come back and haunt you. <laughs> and so with a 14-year-old son, uh, I'm watching him very closely. <laughs> I pray that I don't have to, <laughs> to make that phone call uh, and say, tell someone to come get him before I kill him. Um, but, you know, those are, those. that's real, these are the real stories and the real life uh, situations that uh, we can't run away from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and growing up in the in, in the in the Crenshaw district of Los Angeles, I mean, it certainly was, uh, you know, it was magical on some level. I mean, I, I wouldn't if I had to do it all over again. I'd do it. I'd go back to the same neighborhood and do it all over again. Uh, but was it easy at times? It was fun. It was easy at times. It was difficult. This is uh, certainly in the late seventies, uh, in the seventies, mid to late seventies, early eighties, and uh, you have uh, the, certainly the problems of gangs and. Uh, and uh, drugs and all those other things that uh, can get you off course. Mm-hmm. So, How were you able to avoid those influences? Well, uh, I, you know, on some level, I was able to avoid, you know, some things, and uh, they certainly never, you know, joined a gang or anything like that. But you know, my friends and I certainly weren't choir boys. Um, mm-hmm. We hung out on the corner and we drank, we smoked, and did those things. Mm-hmm. But um, I think ultimately the the church, uh, my mother's voice, my grandmother's voice, um, would always again disturb me. Those voices would, would certainly disturb me and, and 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 force me at times. Even when I knew I was doing the wrong thing, uh, I knew better. Mm-hmm. And uh, over a period of time, uh, I was able to make an adjustment uh, with the help of uh, a lot of folk. Um, so. Fortunate, maybe I, I think so. Blessed, perhaps uh, I think so. Um, but there, but for the grace of God, you know, go I and go others. Um, but um, you know, there are a lot of people in the community. I mean, I think the co-star of my book may be my ninety-seven, ninety-six-year-old grandmother, Sweetie Pie. I didn't. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I wasn't, wasn't trying to make her the co-star, but after I finished, mm-hmm. I said, well, she might be the co-star of this book. Um, just so many stories, and let's fast forward to, uh, remember, I tell the story of um, getting a Bible uh, for Christmas, and uh, I was in the fifth mm-hmm. grade, and I remember asking my grandmother in Columbus, Ohio, um, to, you know, I think I wanted a, a race car or something like that, some toy, but instead mm-hmm. she sent me a Bible and with, with uh, some money in it, and I spent the money and wasn't really crazy about the Bible and put it in a box in place and uh, thought it was a children's Bible. I really wasn't interested uh, in getting a Bible for Christmas. And um, But fast forward to uh, 2005, preparing to go to Iraq, and I'm going through a box, one of my old boxes that was labeled uh, miscellaneous, and tucked away in, that bo- in the box I found uh, the Bible that she gave me uh, that I you know, that she gave me for Christmas, and I opened the Bible up, and it said, um, may God uh, be with you always. And and I look back, uh, I look back uh, to the year 1975, and and that Christmas, all the toys and gifts are long gone, and the only thing that remains um, is the Bible she gave me. Mm. And um, so the Word of God certainly does last forever, and I took that Bible with me to Iraq and preached from it. Um, so, mm. you know, you never know. There's always a hidden treasure, and, and what you think is unnecessary today uh, may be necessary and significant tomorrow. And certainly uh, finding uh, a Bible, my grandmother is uh, with the Lord now, but uh, the words that she wrote and the gift that she gave me, you know, sometimes it's not about getting what you want. Sometimes it's about getting what you need. And she knew right. that I needed the Word. She knew mm-hmm. that this boy is going to need the Word one day. He's going to be in a situation, he's going to need the Word of God. I don't know when, he may not appreciate it now, but he's going to appreciate this gift at some point in his journey. 
and uh, the wisdom of my grandmother certainly uh, was right on point, and mm-hmm. I thank her for for that for that gift. And that, uh, and I got back from Iraq on Christmas. Uh, you know, my kids, my son and daughter, both said they wanted, uh, you know, I don't know, the latest computer gadget, and uh, and I gave them Bibles, and mm. they also got a computer gadget too, but. They also got a, <laughs> They got a Bible as well, and right. I hope that years from now they'll be able to to look back and and uh, and realize how significant the gift of God's word certainly is. And tell us a little bit about the impact that you've had with dealing with some of the um, the the challenges that the service men and women had over there in Iraq as well, and some of the things you helped them through. Well, I think the biggest challenge. Um, Certainly, it's just being one, just being away from home. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that's a that's a challenge in and of itself. Anytime you remove yourself from your family for uh, a few days, a week, a month, <clears throat> uh, it can be a challenge. And, then, and certainly, in our case, um, it was the, uh, we were there a year, so being away from home was challenge number one. And then certainly, uh, the the question of faith uh, uh, and asking the question: Am I doing the right thing? Uh, is God going to be mad at me if I have to take a life? Uh, those, those real hardcore uh, mm. uh, spiritual questions. And then I also saw saw soldiers then experience their own uh, spiritual transformation. Uh, I saw men and women make radical spiritual changes in, in their life um, and grow spiritually. We were in certainly in Iraq, that uh, a country that has. A lot of biblical history. Uh, Babylon is located in Iraq, and certainly we find the story of Daniel and the lion's den, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, uh, their story takes place in Babylon, which is in Iraq. The birthplace of Abraham, Ur, is in the southern part of Iraq. God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, which is in the northern part of Iraq. Hmm. So my challenge to the soldiers, I said, my challenge to them was, look, uh, what a what a interesting place to undergo spiritual change. Um, a lot of significant biblical events took place here, and in addition to what you do on the battlefield and that work, you have to do that. That's what we've been called to do. That's why you have the uniform on. But you can also grow spiritually as well. And uh, we we baptized over 25 soldiers. Over 50 gave their life to Christ. Wow! And so we really, I really did see uh, God use me in, in a way that I haven't been used since. And uh, and so yes, it was it was difficult at times for soldiers, but they stepped up to the plate um, and they uh, were willing to grow, and they did. And and our service was really a service that. Um, Kind of a multiracial uh, service. We we had a nice cross representation of America every Sunday mm-hmm. um, in our in our service. Uh, soldiers would come to church with a Bible in one hand and an M16 uh, in the other hand, and they didn't wear fancy suits. They had their uniform on with combat boots. Uh, our, our chapel was surrounded by a wall to protect us you know, from you know any kind of incoming fire. Um, there were no. It wasn't a sophisticated building. No expensive chandelier hanging from the ceiling. No red carpet. Um, it was raw, dusty, but it was church. The Holy Spirit was there, mm-hmm. and um, and I watched God do you know some amazing things. So um, yeah, it was. But and I saw you know again soldiers really really grow spiritually. That's what I was looking for spiritual growth. Trying to figure out. Um, you know where an individual uh, perhaps was uh, prior to deployment, and then watching the growth take place, mm-hmm. and uh, and I saw that with my own own eyes. It was happening not just in my battalion, but I, a lot of the other chaplains that I that I served with. Uh, the same thing was happening you know, for them as well uh, in their units. Wow. Yeah, so. Well. Well, Dr. Key, we're getting to that time. Now we've only got about 10 minutes in the show, and I want to make sure that um, people know where to find your book. So give them that information as well as your website as well. Sure. they can. Uh, the book can be purchased, touch and go. Uh, you can go to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com, buy the book online, 
or visit my webpage, uh, www.jamesdkey.com, jamesdkey.com. And if you go to my webpage as well, you can purchase the book there. And I also have a link to both Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com uh, as well. And so uh, the book can be can be purchased that way. Mm, okay. Any book signings coming up or public appearances we should know about? We do. There are a few... Uh, things happening uh certainly in the Mitch in the Mar- in the Maryland area uh on April the 9th I will be at the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference at Woodstream Church uh, which is in Mitchellville Maryland mm. on a seminar on uh on ways to de- to become a more effective leader and I'll do a big book signing there as well uh April the 10th at Union Bethel AME Church uh in Brandywine Maryland and uh, later, June 18th, we're doing a book, book signing in Los Angeles, California, at the uh, Wilfendale House mm. on Adams Boulevard in L.A., and also speaking June the 19th at Bryant Temple AME in Los Angeles as well. So we have a lot of things happening, and I'll post a lot of those events again on my webpage uh, at okay. com. Oh, very good. And, um, you know, feel free to go ahead and post um, any of those events as well uh, on my page or either that will just look forward, um, notify me, and I'll be sure to um, get that information out there as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I certainly thank you, Michael, for um, all that you're doing uh, on your show. I wish you much success in all of the men and women that you reach uh, on your particular show, uh, Measure of Truth. And, and, and we just will continue to be praying for you and that uh, many more doors will continue to open. No, well, I, I thank you for that. And, um, you know, we, we definitely have to, to get together again real soon. Um, it was a pleasure meeting you, and uh, we've got a lot of things in common. It's funny. Um, you went through a painful divorce the same year I did. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, it was a major transition for me, and my life changed in miraculous ways. And it's interesting. Um, we've led similar lives. But I've always been aware of God's presence in my life, even when I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. And for some reason, he he never let me go. And um, it's a unique story that um, I'm chronicling as well. So, um, yeah, so it it was very, very refreshing to to see how you um, outlined your particular story and your experiences in your life. And um, it's just amazing, you know. Um, You know, things happen at the right time, I think. So it was great. Great hearing you speak, and you were an amazing dynamic speaker, by the way. I, I oh, was, I was thoroughly impressed. Um, you, you spoke a great message. You, you had everyone, um, you know, motivated and uh, you know, riled up. And um, <laughs> I, I want to thank Pastor Smith as well, you know, for yes. uh, making that happen because um, yes. it was really a treat for the whole congregation. And, yeah, uh, Pastor Smith, uh, first class, and I was treated. Uh, you know, in a, very, in a first class way, and and had a wonderful time, and I appreciate the opportunity. That's for sure. And I'm looking forward, Michael, to reading your book. So you put your <laughs> thoughts together, yeah. And, uh, because I, you really, you, you have a voice, you have a story, and, and you should you should share it with others. Well, I, I thank you for that encouragement, and um, you know, again, we'll be staying in contact, and I'm sure we'll have you back on in the near future. And um, we just appreciate you taking time out today. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And I want to take a moment to talk to you about a heinous crime against humanity that plagues our nation. And yes, believe it or not, communities just like yours. Here's something you can do today to lend your support in the fight against human trafficking, also known as modern slavery. For example, Tanya was only 11 when she was forced to use her body for her own survival and the perverse desires of others. Now 18, Tanya knows no other life. She can't even remember when she was able to choose how she wanted to dress. Tanya dreams of being a teacher one day, and with the help of Bridge to Freedom programs and your support, they can empower her and others like her to move from surviving to thriving. You can make a huge difference in the life of a survivor this year through your support and donations to Bridge to Freedom Foundation. Bridge to Freedom is a nonprofit organization that provides aid to survivors of slavery who now live in the U.S., such as former child soldiers and victims of sex trafficking and forced labor. The cornerstone of Bridge to Freedom's work is personal and professional development, 
to help survivors adapt and thrive in their new lives and communities and find work to support themselves. The Bridge to Freedom Foundation needs your support to help people just like Tanya. They need your urgent action to ensure that they can continue to provide clothing and health and beauty services to these survivors. These are not only important for rebuilding self-esteem, but are crucial to finding employment. They're also in great need of storage containers and clothing racks to organize and store donations. While donations of needed items are vital, one sure thing that will help to stop the spread of this injustice and prevent it from thriving undetected is educating yourselves about human trafficking or slavery and knowing the signs and the proper authorities to contact if you become aware of a victim in crisis. Find out more at bridgetofreedomfoundation.org or if you have a reason to suspect that someone may be a victim of human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center hotline on 1-888-373-7888. Multilingual call specials are on standby 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. All calls are confidential. If I may paraphrase Stephen King, the most important things are the hardest things to say. These are the things you feel ashamed of because mere words only diminish the thought. You see, words shrink things that seem limitless when they were in our hearts and minds to no more than just living size when brought out into the open. Oh, but it's more than that, isn't it? You see, the most important things lie too close to wherever your secret heart is buried. Like landmarks to a treasurer, your enemies would love to steal away and use against you at the worst possible moment. But still, you make revelations that cost you dearly, only to have people look at you like you're crazy, not understanding what you've said at all or why you thought it was so important that you almost cried when you were saying it. Do you know what's even worse than that? Is when the secret stays locked within and you can't get it out. Not for want of the courage to talk about it, but for want of someone who will just listen. Just listen. As someone who spends a great deal of time searching for the truth, the lesson that I've learned from this quote is, if you want the truth, you have to be prepared to release all judgment and be open enough to hear and accept the truth in whatever form it might take. Judgment alters the truth by changing how it's told or presented. Not accepting the truth stops the bearer from sharing the truth. Ignoring the truth kills ambition and is a recipe for disaster and makes success impossible. We all over the years have learned to guard ourselves against deception but I've also come to realize that, in most cases, you don't even have to discover or discern the truth. You just have to let it be and see it for what it is. Maybe you have a story, too. It doesn't have to be just like the one we've heard. Hey, I just want to let you know I'm here and I'm willing to listen. All I ask from you is, a measure of truth. Wow, well, we've come to the end of our show, and what a great show we had. Special thanks to our producer, Donna Hardiman, Dr. Key, and my pastor, Dr. Leonard N. Smith. I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily. But know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. And watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, Take care of what becomes of you.
got the truth, truth, truth.